Well, hello there, and uh, welcome back to Sophomoros. Um, I just wanted to share another little weird insight that I think I had uh, while we were at camp a couple weeks back. Um, I was gonna record. I was gonna release the the podcast that will be coming up after this um, first, which will be a a uh, an interview with um, a buddy of mine named Martin, um, who is kind of a, a missionary turned expatriate um, to Nepal, and just his like wild stories um, that he has to share from from uh, living overseas. Um, but he, he told me that he didn't want, um, to be episode number 13 because, um, obviously that's an unlucky number. And so, <laughs> um, I'll be, uh, sharing with you guys just an interesting little, um, a little reflection that I had while we were at camp, um, reading in the mornings, uh, a couple of days ago or a couple weeks back. So this is in John chapter three, um, while we were, um, doing our little scripture reflections at camp, we, we went and did basically um, a bunch of different um, pieces of John. Uh, and so we did the, the, the healing of uh, the paralytic by the pool of Siloam. Um, we did the, um, the uh, raising of Lazarus, and then we did um, the teaching of Nicodemus. So this is John chapter 3. And I had this kind of epiphany while we were reading it, and I swear... I come into these things often thinking that I, I have an idea of where the scriptures are going, and then I don't know why, but it often happens while I'm dialoguing within community that um, that I come to see something that I've never seen before. So, you know, um, shout out to reading scripture in community. I, I, I'm becoming more convinced both by experience and um, just conviction that um, that that's the proper way that the church should be reading the scriptures. Um, so you know, read scriptures by yourself, but then read them for the sake of coming together and talking about them with a community. Um, so anyways, John chapter 3 um, goes like this. I'm going to read it out of the NIV because it's a little uh, easier to understand than some of the other translations. Now, there was a Pharisee, uh, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling co court. Uh, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Uh, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Um, and you should not be surprised by my saying, uh, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, and you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you uh, do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we've seen, but, you, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you um, of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Um, and then this is, the, of course, the famous passage, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God, not, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Um, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And I'll pause there. Um, so, I, one of the things that's kind of funny about the book of John, in my view, is that um, oftentimes the dialogues that John portrays Jesus having with people seem very disjointed. Um, and I think my favorite example of this is um, the woman at the well. Um, there's this kind of just this disjunction in the way that um, Jesus speaks to the woman at the well. Um, and I'm, I'm really not sure what to make of it. Um, it almost feels like Jesus isn't even listening to the things that the person is, uh, that he's talking to is saying to him. It doesn't feel like he's listening at all, and he'll just say something that only vaguely touches on what they were saying before. Um, and so I think this is an instance, an example of that. Um, but I think I've, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder whether maybe I just, I'm not seeing the connections um, that Jesus is making to the things that the, the other person that he's speaking to is saying. But there may be some hidden connections, because as I read this passage, the connection, I think, became clear to me about what Jesus is actually saying to Nicodemus. Um, and it all hinges on the thing that Nicodemus begins by saying to Jesus. So he says, um, it says, he came to Jesus at night, right? So he comes in, in the shadow of darkness, and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. So here Nicodemus basically says, I, 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 know, that you're, um, I know that you're from God. We know that you're from God because the signs that you're performing, the, the miracles, the healings, the, um, the, the strange um, actions, the supernatural events, that you're able to pull off are outside of the range of what a normal human could do. No one could do what you're doing unless God was with him. And then Jesus replies this, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And if you read those two, it seems like Jesus isn't listening to what Nicodemus has said. He just, like, goes off on this diatribe. Therefore, truly I tell you, uh, or very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It's like, where did that come from? I think I've, I'm beginning to understand what he means when he's saying this and why he says this at this point in time. I think what Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God is the coming of God among men, right? So for no one... So, so this is addressing the part where Nicodemus says, for no one could um, perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him, right? So basically he's saying, God has come among us again, um, and he's with you, Jesus. He's with you um, because of these signs that you're performing. And Jesus replies, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God, right? So no one can see the coming of God. No one can see the advancement of God into the world unless they are born again. Um, I, and so he basically locks Nicodemus out again. He's, he says, you, uh, you don't actually see the kingdom of God. You haven't been born again. 
um, you you don't know what you're talking about, I think is what he's saying. And then it gets clearer as he goes on. So, so there's this chunk where he basically gets hung up on the idea of being um, born again, and can somebody crawl back up into their wom mother's womb, which is a horrific image um, to imagine. Um, and then Jesus saying, basically, you're, you're not getting this. Um, but then, specifically at around verse um, 13, it says, For no one has go ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And this is preceded by him saying, um, right before this, he says, I have spoken to you of earthly things, right? So the, the birth, um, birth idea. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Um, so he uses images that are natural in the beginning. You must be born again, right? Um, the wind blows wherever it pleases, right? He's using these analogies. And then he, he shifts into a supernatural um, metaphor, which is, no one has gone up into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So I think what's going on is I think that Jesus is beginning to, um, is beginning to show the upside-down nature of what he's about to do, of, what, of the end of his life. Um, I, be, I believe he's starting to flash the cards of his calling, of his, of his mission um, on earth, which is to go and die for the sake of the world um, and, to be, and to be raised up, right? So just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Um, so I, what I think is going on here is he's saying at the very beginning when he says, very truly I tell you no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. I think what he's saying is, you think that the the coming of the kingdom of God um, has finally has finally happened because you see miracles and powerful signs, you see supernatural events and occurrences, and that's not the case. That's not what tips you off that the coming of the kingdom um, is here. Uh, the The coming of the kingdom is signified um, and is kicked off. Um, in the in the raising up of the Son of Man, in the lifting up of the Son of Man on the pole, right? Just like the snake in the wilderness, and then immediately afterwards, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a coincidence that immediately afterwards it says in verse sixteen, "For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life." Right. So I think um, I think the 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 idea is that the the lifting up of Jesus Christ. Um, at, at the pinnacle, which is the cross, is the coming of the kingdom of God. And that unless you're born, of get, born again, meaning unless you are capable of seeing that, um, that the, the love of God in that action and that the, the Messiah must die, right? Just like Peter, the thing that Peter rejected as um, basically idiocy, um, and that Jesus then had to respond to him saying, um, get behind me, Satan, for you, you have in mind only human, um, human matters and not the matters of God, right? Um, what I think he's saying is, unless you're able to see as God sees and see 
in in vision with God that this, the Messiah must die and be lifted up, um, then you you have you do not see the kingdom um, coming. You have not been born again unless you see um, in the Jew hanging on the cross a um, uh, an olive branch of of peace and um, and sovereignty of God coming back over humanity, uh, the recapitulation of humanity, the re, um, the sewing on of the head of humanity. Um, unless you see all of that occurring in the cross, then you have not been born again. Um, and so I think, you know, and th this squares, the reason that I think this was on my mind um, is that in 1 Corinthians 1, which was the kind of the kickoff message of our, um, of our camp, um, it's, I honed in on, on this idea, um, and so this was ringing in my mind and kind of acted, I think, as a, as a lens through which to see John chapter 3. Um, specifically, um, it comes after, Paul is talking about, um, these people saying that they follow Apollos, or they follow Paul, or they follow Cephas, or they follow Christ, and he says, is Christ divided? Um, were you baptized in the name of Paul? Um, and he talks about baptism as not being the core um, motive of him going to the Gentiles, but rather the preaching of the cross of Christ. Um, and then he says in verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it, is, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, right? So this is, this is the, the requirement of, of rebirth, um, because the first birth into the first wisdom, uh, the wisdom of the world cannot find God, it does not know God, it cannot seek God out. Um, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom could not know him, or did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe, the foolishness of the Son of Man being lifted up. Um, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. So I think that the key here is exactly what um, what Nicodemus, one of the teachers of Israel, as Jesus calls him, he comes saying um, to Jesus uh, that basically because of the signs that Jesus is performing, they know that God is with him. And um, it says in verse 22, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, right? So we're looking specifically at the Jews here, they were looking for um, somebody that would mimic to them the uh, ability to transcend the natural world and to bend it to uh, their bend it to their to their desires or to their um, for their good as the chosen people. Um, that was kind of the calling card of God um, because you know you have to think back. Their first real foray with God is. Um, is the escape from Egypt and the ten plagues and the splitting of the Red Sea and the water from the rock and the manna from heaven and all of these supernatural occurrences that um, were basically able to uh, reorient the way that they thought about God's power. So always and forever, I think, um, in all all throughout the Old Testament, you see pictures of God as this powerful. Um, this powerful God, a God who is able to um, make the mountains 
uh, quake with his gaze and who comes bounding over the mountains and um, who uh, has smoke pouring forth from his uh, nostrils and has eyes like um, like fire and uh, who wields lightnings, right? We were just reading in Job last night the picture of God as, the, as um, this one who stores up um, you know, uh, hail in his in in his vaults, right? This very powerful understanding of God, this God over creation. Um, so this is this is the image of God that we get from from uh, Israel's um, you could say caricaturizing of God. But then Paul is saying that the Jews demand signs in line with that reputation of God that he is able to com- um, is able to uh, perform signs and wonders. Right, um, but Paul then says, "But we preach Christ crucified, Messiah, King, the God, God's King, uh, the descendant of David. We preach that that descendant was crucified, and that that are that is where our hope resides. Our hope resides in the death and resurrection of the Jewish King, um, and I think that that's the key." is that unless you can see that the Son of Man must be lifted up, um, just as the snake was lifted up, um, the, the thing that was killing the Israelites was lifted up, right? Christ becomes sin on the cross for us. Um, and, uh, and as Luther would say, the one great sinner. Um, he becomes the one great sinner for us on the cross and kills sin. Um, and that is the, the true calling card of God, the, the reconciling and uh, redeeming, um, the restoring, uh, the unifying and, um, and recreative imagination of God that um, looks to the tool and that is, looks, to, looks to the result of sin as a tool to save humanity from that very sin. Um, there's a there's an interesting mischievousness in all of that, um, and there's certainly an upside down quality to it. Um, so you know, as upside down kingdom was on the mind, I think that's why I was able to see in in John chapter three a connection there. Um, so I think that the the mistake of Nicodemus is that he sees God's coming not as um, the uh, the the crucifixion of Christ, the 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 imminent. Um, suffering servant of Isaiah 53, but rather he sees um, the coming kingdom as uh, coming with great power and might. Um, and, you know, probably in the back of his mind, the hope that that um, the Romans might be cast off by that power, um, but rather the, Ro- the Romans uh, became the executioners of this king. Um, he he uh, ruled over him. He, Christ ruled over the, the Romans by allowing them to crucify him. Um, he ruled over the Jews by allowing them to crucify him. Um, and that is the backwards and upside down nature. That is, that is the reality, the paradigm shift that requires being born again. Um, and so that was kind of my, um, that was kind of the epiphany that struck me, um, while I was away at camp and, uh, sorry if this is at all long winded. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting thing and I wanted to share it with you all. Um, So I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. um, And uh, as always, may Christ be exalted, or in this case, lifted up.